This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. This week, we learn the secret to living revived, renewed, and joyful. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Now, let's take a listen to the message, Getting to Know Jesus. He is Savior. Different from us that God is and how what he said in his word, he said, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. And how you view life is not how he view it. How you look at people is not how he looks at people. How you look at a situation and circumstance is not how he sees it. And so it's amazing how amazing Jesus is and how he goes beyond boundaries and limitations and and he does stuff that we would probably never do and so today we want to look at Jesus and meet Jesus getting to know Jesus that he is savior he is our savior and I know that sounds like something that we're all familiar with something that we may already know but just leave your heart and your mind open and listen to what God want to show you and teach you in John 4, 4, 4.42, he said, they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. That puts me in mind of the words that, that um, John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus in John 1.29. He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And what I want you to think about is, when we think about that, we think about it in the terms of the world, takes away the sin of the world. But I want you to think about it in individual terms, in daily terms, that Jesus' mission and goal is to take away our sin. What I mean, take away, to get us to the place where we're liberated and freed from it on a day-to-day basis. But that's, that's not kind of what this is about. This, is, this, is a, this, this story can bring great encouragement to us in the work of the ministry. And I hope that if you've been through something, if you're tired, you're jaded, discouraged, wondering whether the effort you put into serving the Lord is worth it, I hope these ver- verses will be like a, a tonic Uh, infusion into your soul today not only if you're tired but if you've been wounded in serving God and nobody can serve God without actually encountering some wounds and without going through something if you've been through something if you've been wounded and you hold you're holding back and don't want to give yourself to the ministry I hope that this word will help you today and if you're afraid You find yourself afraid of what might happen to you. And I think a lot of us fall into that category because we are a little afraid that if we truly commit our lives to God, if we truly give ourselves to him, what will I lose? What will I have to give up? What will I have to change? What will he take away? What will he eliminate from my life? What will I have to stop doing? And so I hope these verses will encourage you today. And... If you desire to extend yourself, if you want to 
go deeper and more and find what God wants you to do. To do if you want to discern how to, the best use of your, of your life for his glory. I hope that these verses will help you. Because the story that um, we're, we're looking at, it is Jesus. He's traveling from the south. And he's going to the north. And he's actually got to go through Samaria. And Samaria is one of those places where you would not expect to find people interested in following Jesus. I hope that in this story you learn today that you can't write nobody off. You can't judge a book by its cover, as most folks would say. You can't judge a place by what you've heard, what you've seen, and maybe even what you know. Because Jesus went to Samaria and he was born a Jew. And they had a history of the Jews and the Samaritans hating each other. And as I said one time before, and I, was, I pointed at Brother Dillard when I said it, I said, why did they hate each other? Because the, the Samaritans were actually considered to be half-breed. In other words, they was all mixed up. They were mixed up in race. They was mixed up also in religion. And that while there was some elements of truth in what the woman knew, she knew the Messiah was going to come, it was all covered up. And I, wanna, I want you to think about that. I want you to just look at that for just a moment. The Samaritans had their own religion, and it has some elements of truth in it, because the woman said in John 4.25, she knew the Messiah was going to come, but it was buried under a heap of idolatry and superstition. Now, I want you to think about that, because every person you meet, just about every person you meet, you very seldom meet a person that don't know something about Jesus, that don't know something. I mean, if it's, if it's nothing but they just heard his name and they know history. But every person that you meet is the same way. It's buried under idolatry and superstition. What they know about him is buried under idolatry and superstition. Now, the woman had lived so far from God's commandments. She had lived so far from his commandments that if we were looking for somebody that we would think that would follow Jesus, she'd be the last person in the world we'd pick, wouldn't it? And let me ask you this. How many folks have you walked by, looked over, looked around, chose not to even talk to because you felt the same way about them? That they are so far from where we would think they should be or their, li their lives look to be so bad that I would not even look at them to be a disciple of Jesus. And the woman was the least likely person in that place. So we're actually looking at a, a least likely place and a least likely person to follow Jesus. Now, at that point in the story, the disciples had gone into the town in John chapter 4, verse 8. They had gone into the town and that's why Jesus was sitting at the well along with the woman. The disciples turned, returned. They came back. They were surprised to see that the woman was talking. To, to, Jesus was talking to the woman. And nobody, I think the scripture said, nobody dared ask him, why do you speak with her? And so when you get to the rest of it, the woman went back to the town. She told her story. She began to speak to others about Jesus. 
And this is what she said in John 4.29. She said, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Now, now, let me say something about that. Most of us have a problem when somebody tells us what's wrong with us. I mean, be honest, tell the truth. Most of us have difficulty facing what's wrong with us. Most of us want, us want people to believe and think that we're better than what we really are. When the truth of the matter is, how can a woman, and think about the conversation, reflect back to that conversation. Jesus said, if you knew who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked of him so that he could have given you this living water and that you wouldn't have to come here anymore. And so the woman said, give me this water. He said, go call your husband. And the woman said, I have no husband. She was done. Jesus looked at her and said, what you say is true. You have no husband. And the one that you now, you've had five, and the one you now have is not your own. And she looked at him and said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And then the writers say that she tried to change the story, the narrative of the story. And she, when she said, our fathers worship in this mountain, but the Jews say in Jerusalem is a place where, all, where, where men ought to worship. And, she, and Jesus looked at her and said, God is not looking for that. God is seeking worshipers, and he's seeking worship that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And basically, this woman was excited because Jesus told her, how messed up she was. And that was the testimony in the story that she went and told into the city. She went in the city and told her, hey, y'all got to come see this man. This man told me I've been married five times and I'm shacking. Would you be excited? Probably not. And the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples when they returned is very interesting. Think about what. If you give yourself to God's work, you will have great joy. You will have great joy. Maybe we don't have great joy because we really never gave ourselves to it. Look at John 4, 6. It says that when the disciples left Jesus, he was weary from the journey. Remember that. Jesus is weary. They've been traveling. They've been walking. And Jesus is tired. He told his disciples, he said, man, I'm going to stay right here at the well. I, you know, I, 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 when I thought about this, I thought about it. I wondered, were the disciples younger? And Jesus said, man, y'all go get the food. Y'all go, go into town and get the food. But then when I really think about it, I know, I know hindsight. I get to look back at the story, and I can actually see that Jesus knew he, might have not, he, he, may, he may have known, and I'm sure he did know, that God was going to send somebody that way. So he said, y'all going in town. And so they went, to, went, went and sit by food because they were all hungry. When they came back with the food, guess what? Jesus wasn't interested in eating. Think about it. Jesus said, now y'all go into town and get us something to eat. So when they get back, Jesus is no longer interested in what they're talking about. So the disciples sitting by the well, they're eating their lunch. 
But here's Jesus. This man that we left tired, this man that we left weary, sitting by the well, now he's walking around, he's, his mind is clearly on something else, he's energized, and he's, he shows no interest in sitting down and eating lunch that they just bought. What transpired from the time they went to town? One hour. What happened while Jesus was sitting at the well and the disciples went into town to get food and come back and what happened to Jesus, the reason why he shows no interest? John 4.31, look what he says. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. He said, they saying, they saying, Master, teacher, we know that you're hungry. You need to eat. You need to eat. So they're, they're urging him. They're pressing him. And, they, and Jesus is walking around. He's energized. He's he's he's. he's He's, his mind is on something else, and he's not thinking about it. And when, he, when, he gets, when they get back with the food, you would think that Jesus is ready to dig in, but Jesus is not even interested in the food. So the disciples didn't know what to make of it. They said, we left him, and he's tired and weary. And then when we come back, less than an hour later, he's energized, animated, Fired up, refreshed, reinvigorated, full of joy. What happened? What happened? And so they start thinking naturally. They they thinking naturally. But Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said one to another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? See? They thinking natural, Jesus thinking spiritually. And I'm gonna tell you something. When I read that this morning, this is what God showed me. He said, he said, if we could become spiritually minded enough, it would help us overcome the flesh. It would help us overcome the flesh. Because think about it. Jesus is hungry. But yet when he did what God wanted him to do, guess what? His hunger took second seat to what was going on in the spirit. Look at the rest of it. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. In other words, Jesus is saying, yeah, I need to eat, but I've been filled since y'all been gone. I've had something to satisfy, sustain me, and maintain me. I have something that reached a part of me that probably most of y'all are eating, trying to feel. He said, I have something, and, and it is to do the will of my Father and to accomplish his work. He said, there's nothing that gives me more energy, more joy, more life than doing this for God. I'm going to tell you something. You know, last Sunday, we, we did a little counseling thing. And I'm going to tell you something. There was nothing greater than to see a man sit right there on that pew and give his life to Jesus. I was beat down last week. I had worked that Saturday. I had been up that night. I had gotten up early that morning. We had went home. We came back. I was exhausted. But there was nothing that gives you more life than to know 
that we did God's work and God moved in this situation. Nothing. So Jesus is saying, if you do what God, and let me emphasize this, if you do what God wants you to do and serve where God wants you to serve, it'll be like food for your soul. Let me say that again. Because I can, I can do something and serve God. I can do things to serve him, but I got to do what he wants, where he wants. And pretty much when he wants. And when I do, guess what? It's food for me. I remember when I, when I, first, when I first started preaching, I, I preached at Nazareth. And one of them deacons down there. Oh, Snapper, he's he sitting in the church. He, I was preaching. He said, food on my plate. <laughs> food on my plate. But it's critical that we be where God wants us to be and do what God wants us to do. Warren Worsby says, ministry is not nourishing. Give yourself to, to the work of God and your own soul, your own soul, will be fed. Your own soul will be fed. But guess what? That's not the only truth. That's not the only truth. You don't just get joy from the ministry. You get to carry a cross too. These, these, these two things go together. If you, you know, I, I told, I, I remember being at somebody's ordination and I stood up and I said these words. I said, preaching is the glory of just being called to the ministry. I said, you got to see the undercurrents. You got to see what happens behind the scene. Because this is, this, is what, this is the part that everybody wants. Don't nobody want that suffering part. Don't nobody want that hard part. But it comes with joy. And it comes with a cross. And let me say this. I believe that both of them are necessary. I believe both of them are necessary. They go together. It's like, having, it's like the birth of a child. There's great pain. And then there's overwhelming great joy. And doing God's work is the same way. It's great pain. And it brings you joy. Who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought? Jesus could have ignored this woman. Talked about the weather. But guess what? He extended himself to her in faith, hope, and love. And when he did, guess what? He found himself energized, refreshed, renewed, and full of joy. I think it's Proverbs eleven twenty five 25. says, whoever refreshes other will what? Himself be refreshed. It's almost the same thing as saying, whatever a man sows, that's what he also reaps. The Bible says, he who shows mercy shall what? Receive mercy. He who refreshes others himself will be what? Refreshed. So if you hold back, guess what? Your soul going to run dry. If you hold back from people, hold back from ministering to others, you won't experience that blessing. You won't be experience that joy. But if you extend yourself, if you put yourself out there, and let me, let me say this to everybody in this place. I know when I first got saved, and, and the same thing happened to y'all, 
You want to tell everybody. Carry your Bible everywhere. Every other word with Jesus. But then all of a sudden we get to the place where we, we, we call it, you know, I've, I've matured now. I wonder if it's maturity or is it where I may have lost a little passion. But the truth of the matter is we got to get from this and start telling folk about Jesus. Give yourself to God's work and you will see him move in ways that you did not expect. If you'll just put yourself in his work, you'll see him move in ways that you did not expect him to move. Look at John 4.35. And I put those words in blue. He said, do you not say there are four months, then comes the harvest. But he said, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Do you not say, do you not say, he's actually telling them this is a mindset. There are four months and then come harvest, a mindset that says we need to take things slowly. It's a mindset that says it's going to be time, it's going to take time. We need to take it slow. But then it is a cautious mindset. Don't expect too much or you'll be disappointed. In your mind, the harvest is always another day, another place, and another time. Let me say this to you. It's, it's, it's been, I don't know, how many folks in here have heard of Azusa Street? You never heard of it, Sister Okay. And, 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 you, and I can remember back some years ago, they wanted to recreate the Azusa Street revivals. They wanted to recreate them. And it never, never happened. It's almost like this man in Auburn, I won't call his name, but a man in Auburn said that he was the modern day Martin Luther King. Not going to be another Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King was for a set time, a set day, a set hour to do a specific work. And once, he, once Martin Luther King was gone, even, even Martin Luther King III can't be Martin Luther King. Now, if he can't be him, I know I can't. So he said, now, we got to stop looking at the world. And, and, you know, we've read this. We've read that scripture a thousand times. How many folks done read that? The fields are white. The harvest is plenteous. The labors are few. The fields are white, ready to be harvested. But Jesus said, I can't get nobody to go out into the field. He said, this is a mindset that, that, that says four months and then the harvest. It's another day. It's another place. It's another time. He said, but look. John 35, the second part of that verse. He said, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest and you could put now at the end of that sentence. You could put now at the end of it. I put this in here because I want you to see something. John 4.30, it says, they went out of the town and were coming to him. When the woman went into town and she said, man, come see a man. That told me all I all ever I did. He said, Come see a man. And the Bible said they left the town. And they went out to see him. So 
This is what Jesus saw. Here come these people. They're wearing white robes, especially wore white on a, hot, on a hot day. He said, look, here is the harvest coming toward us now. Can you see what Jesus saw? He saw all of these people coming out of town with white robes on and they were coming across the field. He said, look, the field is white. The harvest is coming. It's coming now. What happened in this story is the least likely person in the least likely places come to faith in Jesus and as a result, guess what? A spiritual awakening and a whole community is stirred with the interest in the gospel. And, and let me say this to you. Let me say this to you. I think the problem with trying to recreate Azusa Street, I think, and, I, and I've been hearing this ever since, I, ever since I've been saved. I've been hearing revival is coming to America. Revival is coming to America. You been hearing it? They say it all the time. Let me ask you this. Have you seen it? Let me tell you why I believe we have not seen it. I believe we hadn't seen it because we're trying to start it in the church. Jesus didn't go to the church. He went to an unlikely place. He met an unlikely woman that was not doing what God wanted her to do. He started a conversation with her, which he broke religious, racial, and all kind of barriers just to have a conversation with this lady. And guess what? I believe revival is going to come when we stop looking at people in the wrong eye. When we stop looking at people with, in the wrong eye, it, and again, it's not always like this. There were other times when Jesus went to Samaria and they wouldn't even allow him in the town. They didn't even let him in. Some villages he went to in Samaria, they, did, they, they didn't even accept him. So it's not always going to be that way. But if you give yourself to the ministry, there will be disappointments. But you will see God work in unexpected ways as well. You will see him work in unexpected ways. And the reason why he's not working, because we ain't doing nothing. Please read this. Sometimes the people you think will be most interested in the gospel turn out to have no interest at all. And the flip side of that is, the people who you think might have no interest in Christ become the ones that's the most devoted and the most fruitful followers of Jesus. And I want to I put it in our terms. So, see, we look at the boy with the pants hanging down and we say, we look at the man under the bridge and we say, Shh. we look at people that are dirty we have, our, we have our mindset on who we think can be saved or will be saved. We look at the person that's, that's racist, that, 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 that appear to be racist and say, he'll never give his life to Jesus. He's going to hell. We have already said in our mind who we think will get saved. But you know what? If we would tell some people that we thought might not, they might be the one that go and tell 30 more. 
But the people that we think will, the one that's doing all that religious talk, one that's out doing calling Jesus' name and can 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 misquote a scripture. You know, like the man I met that time, he said, Man, I man, I know the Bible. He said, Man, five or six gather together in my name, I'm in the myth. Yeah. He said, I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know about Jesus. I heard a man, the, the man I told y'all about, you know, when I tried to share my faith with him one time, he said, man, I raised in the church all my life. I've been in the church all my life. That ain't the problem. See, 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 these are people that I'm thinking might be, might be interested. And the people that I think are not interested, just like I was at work. I was at work one day, and, and this guy, this guy, these two little guys, and I'm going to tell you, one of them, he kind of got on my nerve because he had a little gangster look to him. You know, he a little old short something, you know. He about this tall. You know, he walking around and thinking about halfway bad, you know. And, and uh, you know, when I, when I, 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 remember, I remember one day he was late coming to the job, and I was standing there looking at him. He was looking at me like, what, what? You know, so I already don't form my opinion about this little dude, you know. I already got it in my head what I think about him. And what I'm thinking is, I'm going to get rid of him. What I'm thinking, though. And so one day I'm walking around, and, and, and it was two of them over there together. They over there talking and laughing, you know. They, they have a tendency to get loud. I don't, think, I, don't know, I don't know whether they can't hear or that just the way they are. And this guy told me, he said, one, one guy told me, he said, my zone is the ghetto. In other words, they over there cutting up, they clowning, they doing some everything over there. They loud, you hear them, you see them, they, they rebels, they outlaws. He said, he said, zone six is like the nursing home. You don't know the old people down there, you know. He said, he said, he said the zone one is like the suburbs. You know, he, he, he named their zone. And when I looked at it, I said, that, that pretty much seemed like how it is. So when this guy, when this guy, when I walked by, this guy said, Isaac. I said, because he owed about this little short guy that I like so much, you know. He's, I said, he said, come here. And so I walked over there, and it blew me away. You know what he said? He said, Isaac. He said, why don't you come over here and talk to us and share some of that wisdom with us? The people that you think, the people that you write off, the people that you say are don't doomed to hell, they ain't gonna never be nothing, have nothing, do nothing, they dope heads, those are the ones that may be crying out and asking for help. Those are the people that may be fruitful in following Jesus. Those are the ones that you might see some results from. But those people that we think and see, I believe that's why we have missed the revival. Because let me tell you, I, I, I think about, I think about, I think about when church people have stuff. I think about when church people have stuff. They don't do like Jesus. Jesus told his disciples, his disciples, he said, go out in the hedges and highways and, and byways and compel them to come. What do we do? We send an invitation out to our clan. In other words, the Baptists invite who? The Methodists invite Pentecostal, 
Holiness. And if you're not in any of those circles, which I'm not, get what? You don't get invited. When the truth of the matter is, we're inviting people that we feel are more likely to be what we want them to be as opposed to inviting people that may not come the way we expect them to come. We, you know, I, I remember the man came into church that time drunk. He was loud. One of, one, well, we had two of them to come in here a little tipsy. One of them back there, he, he, he was quiet. And, and he was sitting back there. He didn't want to come up front. But he sat back there in the back. And he said... He wanted us to pray for his mama. He said, I was standing over there on the corner of the, at the store, and he said, God told me to come in here. Now, what if we had looked at what he had on, who he was, what we might have smelled or seen, and rejected him? That's what the Bible means when it says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13. He said, you have, some of you have entertained angels unawares. I sent them. And you don't even know it. I was, I was watching something. I can't remember what it was. I can't remember what it was. But somebody in the church was getting out of hand. They were just getting ready to escort them out and God moved. I'm telling you, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. And who would have thought Saul of Tarsus, who persecuted the church, would become the spearhead for missions all over the world? Who would have picked him? A man that was persecuting the church, that, that was going to Damascus, he was killing Christians, he was locking them up, putting them in jail, he was the one that held Stephen's coat while they stoned him to death, and yet, that's who God picked. That's who God selected. But we would have never picked him, we would have never selected him. And we need to be encouraged on extending our ministry. And giving ourselves to God so that we can see him work in ways like we have never, ever seen him do before. I'm going to tell you something. It's never going to work until you put yourself out there. You waiting on God to move so you can move, that's why he's not doing anything. If you move, God will move when you move. God will be there when you get there. And we got to stop being intimidated. By people. Let me tell you something. The world has grown bold. They bold. I mean, man, when I was, when I was, when I was growing up, to show you how, how, how much the world has changed. I mean, if, if you were gay, you hid it. Now they come on national TV and say, uh, um, that's my husband over there. And you be looking for, what, what are they pointing to? They pointing at that man over there? Let's show, you how the, let's show you how the world has changed. Let's show you how much confidence and courage that they have. People say what they believe. They stand up on, on boxes, soap boxes, on national TV and tell you what they believe. But where are we? Where are we at? We sitting somewhere quiet. Don't want nobody to know we serve God. Don't want nobody to know we serve Jesus. Encouragement again, give yourself to any part of God's work and you will share in the reward of the whole. John 4.36 says, already the one who reaps 
is, wheat, is, is receiving right wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. Notice now, reaping is rewarding. They get all the fun. Well, it wasn't rewarding for most for us. How many, how many folk went to their mama with the, to them fields and picked okra and, you know, they, back, back in the day they had, out in the country they used to have, folk had farms, and they would let you come out there and pick stuff, and then at the end of it they weigh it, and then you can go home with all these fresh fruits and vegetables. So how many folk remember that? You remember that, Beijing? You remember that, Sean? I remember going out picking okra, and okra always had that little stuff on it that irritated my hands and stuff. I didn't like picking okra. But anyway, was that fun? Okay, I didn't think so. I didn't think so. <laughs> I know y'all had a ball when y'all were picking that cotton. Okay, anyway. <laughs> but let me say this. Is it more fun than breaking up the ground and putting seeds in it? I believe it's a little bit more rewarding than actually, actually trying to uh, plant something. So, but Jesus says here that the sower and the reaper, they're going to rejoice together. And the point is that on, the day, on that day in Samaria, look now, the long interval between sowing and reaping was shortened. Remember what they said. Now, what they say? They say four months and then what? And then the harvest. But Jesus said, don't say that. Don't say that. He said, don't say that it's going to take four months and you're going to reap a harvest. He said, get rid of that mindset. He said, look. He said, look, the fields. There was an abundant harvest of the whole community coming to Jesus in the space of about one hour. In the space of about one hour. So, that's encouragement for the sower. Now, you don't know what God will do in a person's life after you have sown the seed. Whatever comes of it, you're sharing the joy and the reward. And let me say this. You don't know what, what, what God has already done. Okay, you'll only see a, a small part of what God will bring from what you have sown in this world in your life. You won't ever see the full result of what you sow in this world. And if you like me, I don't want to see it. I, 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 I want some seed that I sown to come up for the generations that are coming after me. Your testimony. And listen now. Your testimony. You being faithful, serving, giving, going. Speaking, praying, all of these things contribute to the life and salvation of people. That was a, that was a young white girl that came to work at Brigham Stratton, and she, they always called me when people crying, when people distraught and broken. And Isaac, you know, they, they all, I mean, they, 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 they going through some stuff. They boo-hoo and they ready to commit suicide. That's when they called me. So they called me in the office and this girl, she was, she was crying and she was ready to quit and she was ready to walk out the door and so on and so forth, you know. And, and, uh, and she told me she had been homeless 
that she didn't have nowhere to go. She was telling me this story. And I'd be like, man, why in the world do they call me for all of this? And the guy told me, I, was, I don't know what to do with that kind of stuff. He said, that's, that's your business. So I, I talked with the girl. I prayed with the girl. And she got up. She was, she, I'm, I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to make it. And so she, she kind of she felt better. And this happened twice with two different people. And she said, I feel better now. I feel I really appreciate you talking to me, so on and so forth, you know. She came back the next day. She was good. Eventually, long story short, the girl wound up walking out. She wound up quitting. My point is this. I believe God brings people across your path for a reason, maybe for a season. But guess what? I have never stopped praying for that girl. I've never stopped praying. I don't know where she is. I don't know where she went. But I never stopped praying for her. And this is what God is talking about. That we can actually, I'm making a difference in her life, and I don't even know where she is. I don't see her. I don't know what happened to her. I don't know where she's working. I don't know where she is. I don't know whether she's homeless. But I believe that because I continually, and, consi and the little fellow that I told you all about, one of them, I still pray for him. Every day, even though he left that job months ago, I still pray for him because God can do. God bring them for a reason. He brings them for a reason. I pray God bring them back. They were good people, good workers. But our responsibility, we don't realize that when we do these things, we are sowing in the lives of these people. We making a difference in their lives. And. As it says, there'll come a day when all the souls and the reaper, they're going to rejoice together over everything that Jesus has done through his people. And so give yourself to any part of God's work and you will share in the reward of the whole, the whole. Encouragement for the reapers, okay? John 4, 37, 38, he said, now, for here the saying holds true. One souls." And another reaps. He said, now I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Okay, think about this. Think about the story we just started with, the woman at the well. What do you think happened in that lady's life? Somewhere down the line, just like I said earlier, somewhere down the line, this lady had heard something about God. Everybody agree? She heard something about God because she said, I know the Messiah's coming. She said, we worship in this mountain, but the Jews say Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. In other words, she had heard something about Jesus. And let me say this to you. I said this a few minutes ago that I don't believe there's nobody that don't know. Just, just a little bit. It may be all jacked up, crossed up, crooked, messed up, but everybody knows. Everybody's got a little information about God. Everybody. And, and this lady had somehow been taught, she'd been told, how did they get a harvest so fast? How did they get a harvest so fast? Somebody else had done the work. That's what he's talking about. He said, now, just like the person that came, that was here last Sunday and gave, gave his life to Christ, some work had already been done. I didn't sow and water and then reap. 
Somebody actually planted the seed. Somebody done worked before me. The seed been nourished. It been watered. So I can rejoice because I reap from somebody else's labor. He sent us to reap. So we need to stop saying four more months to harvest. We need to quit telling ourselves that people in a secularized culture are not interested and that no one will respond. I don't know why we got it in our heads that we have to see some results to know that what we did works. This is a faith walk. And so the question is for all of us is, do you have faith in God's word? Do you believe what God said about his word? Because if you do, this is what he said. He said, my word is an incorruptible seed. He also said in Genesis, every seed produces after its own kind. So he's basically saying, so... If you don't see nothing happen, keep sowing. If you don't see anything happen, keep praying. Why? Because you know that God's word works. That God's word is true. Quit expecting, you know, I think about something, something Sister Audrey say all the time. She say this all the time. She say, Y'all don't realize that y'all are reaching beyond these walls. See, I could look at this and say, it's not working. I could look at, okay, I don't know, about 15, 19, I don't know what it is. Anyway, whatever it is. Somebody, and other people look at this and say, you know, they, 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 they come with compassion. You know, God, God bless y'all. Y'all going to grow. It's going to be all right. In other words, they, they got sympathy for me because I don't have a crowd. You know. Because the world say, the world gauge success by the number of people that you have. They, yeah, quantity. They gauge success by how many you got. I remember when I used to be around a lot of preachers, the first thing, first thing, first question they ask you, how many you running? How many you running on something? You know, and I used to say, uh, 10. You know, you, know you, you didn't want to say it loud. Because he running 150, 200, you know, you, you, oh, got about 10, got about 10. <laughs> how many? About 10. <laughs> You know what? When we ought to proudly say it. We ought to proudly say it. You know, my work is not, and like I said, I may be dead and gone when, when the harvest comes. But one thing I do know to be true, and I know this from my own life. I thought when I was going to Sunday school, I used to sit in Sunday school and I'd be eating candy and playing, talking around, and looking at different stuff and looking at the clock and Rolling my eye back in my head while they were talking. You know how children do. 
So I'm sitting in Sunday school, and I'm thinking, man, I'll be so glad when I get out here, we can go to the store. Because you know that 50 cent that I was supposed to put in Sunday school, I had a quarter in my pocket, and I was ready to go to the store after, because Mama told me to put 50 cent in, I kept a quarter, so we can go to the store. Anyway, I really thought that when I was going to Sunday school, when I was going to church, it, it didn't do nothing. But I was amazed at how much I knew about God when later on I wanted to get saved. I was amazed. I was awed by what was inside of me. See, we take it lightly. We think that these are just words. You're just talking. Well, let me tell you something. There is a Holy Spirit that works. And he can only bring to your remembrance what's been put into you. If there's nothing been put in you, he has nothing to work with. But he can take Sunday school. He can take the radio. He can take TV. He can take church. He can take a podcast. He can take anything. And those are seeds. Words are seeds. If you look at Mark chapter 4, it said, Sow a sow at the word. Some sown by the wayside. Some sown among thorns. Some sown um, on good ground, shallow ground. And, 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 but every one of them, something happened with all of them. But this is not a seed that can be choked out. It can't be killed. It can't be destroyed. God's seed rests in you forever when it's sown. When it's sown. And so we got to realize that we are sores. We got to come to the realization that it's working. Whether I see the results or not. There's always people ready to hear the gospel and to respond to Christ. But I'm going to tell you, they don't look like what you expect. They don't fit our mold. They don't look like who we would choose. They live in Samaria. They got five husbands and they're shacking. Yeah. They got, little they got 15 little children. All of them got a different daddy. Yeah. They look like they, they look like, uh, no, no, no. Yeah. They, you wouldn't pick them. You wouldn't choose them. You look over them. You look around them. We're looking for people to fit what we, what, who we are. The truth of the matter is this. We really try to make people like us. When God truly made all of us uniquely different because he wanted to be worshipped differently by different people in different ways, different mindsets, different backgrounds. He wanted to be worshipped by all. He don't want us to be all like little robot. Raise your hand. Put them down. Clap. Dance. Run. That ain't what God wants. He wants some running, he wants some dancing, he wants some clapping, he wants some sitting, he wants some crying, he wants some on the inside internalizing. He don't want all of us to be the same and do the same. He don't want to worship, we want to want to be worshiped like robots. That's why he selected man. That's why he left man with a will. So that man could actually choose to do it. And there's people like that that want to know. And if you, we, 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 we be wrong every time, folks. We be wrong every 
time, every day of the week, we would be wrong. Every day of the week. Every, I, am in, I am in awe. This lady, this lady was talking to me the other, other week. I heard her talking. And she was talking, she was talking to me. We were having a conversation, about three or four of us. And she said, I got baptized in, in the Mormon church. What did I do? But the same lady this week came to me and said, she wanted to talk. I got to share this plan of salvation to her. I got to tell her about Jesus. But would I have picked her? I would have figured she was all jacked up and messed up because she'd been, she done been in some of all kinds of churches. Just like the woman in Samaria. Listen, folk, there are people in your sphere of influence who may be ready, more ready to come into faith in Jesus than you think. There are some people at the school. It, it might even be Mr. Cobb. It might even be Mr. Cobb. The one that fights you the most is the one that needs the most prayers and the one that you need to pray for the opportunity to share Jesus with. That's the one. That's the one. Because think about it. Mr. Cobb is actually uh, Saul. He persecuting the Christian. He heading to Damascus. He finna lock y'all up, cuz. <laughs> he finna put some of y'all in jail. And, and, and all you want him to do is encounter Jesus. Jesus will knock him off his beast. Jesus will get him down. The only way we can find out is what? We got to do what? Tell everybody you can. Tell everybody you can. We don't know what God has already done in the life of a person already. We do not know. But I can tell you this. Everybody, almost everybody have heard. They know. They got, they got just, just, just like they say, uh, about people, you got just enough information to be dangerous. They got, they know just enough to mess something up. Yeah. So don't don't count them out. Don't count them out. The law says that what we sow we reap, but grace says we can reap what another has sown, and we can all reap what Jesus has sown. You can reap what another has sown. Somebody else has sown in the lives of the people that I have encountered. All, all, most, all, most of all of y'all, somebody else has sown in your life before I met y'all. I got a chance to reap the harvest that, of, of something that I didn't have to labor for. And it's happening every day. It's happening all the time. But we actually think that we, if, we, if, I share my, if, I, if I lead you to Jesus, then what? Don't mean you need to follow me. Mean, mean, that means you need to follow Jesus. You don't need to follow me. I'm gonna lead y'all. I'm gonna lead y'all somewhere where me and you both ain't gonna be able to get back. We both gonna be in trouble. We are in the ministry to harvest what Jesus has sown. Jesus has sown. We are in the business, in the ministry, to bring about a harvest of what Jesus has sown. Listen, folks. Jesus, every day, the Holy Spirit is working in the lives of people. I'm going to tell you something. 
I know this man that I, this, this, this man, uh, and I, I won't say who he is, what his position is, but when I first met him, you know, he kind of tried to talk Christian. I realized later on that he's not really Christian, but I realized that he got a respect for Christianity. I realized that. And you have to be careful how you judge people and how you characterize people. Because he has a tendency, you can, tell, you can tell when people do something wrong. If they know you're a Christian they, and they do something wrong and they automatically look to you, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Ar I'm sorry, Mr. Arger, for saying that, but, you know. I have them curse all the time. Uh, I didn't mean to use that kind of language in front of you. Yeah. I don't care what you say. They know. They know. They act crazy. They do crazy stuff. They act like they, 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 don't, they don't care nothing about God. They act like all this stuff. But the truth of the matter is, they know. They know. There's something deep on the inside of them. So, the sower and the reaper rejoice together in his promises. And with an inexplicable joy forever and ever. We're going to come to a day. We're going to come to a day where we are going to forever rejoice. We're going to meet some of the people where we sown seeds into their lives and, and we didn't get to reap the harvest. We didn't get to see them come to Jesus. But this is what I want to encourage everybody to do. So, 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 you know, stop letting people come around you and talk about everything they want to talk about. Any kind of way they want to talk. Whatever they want to say. Tell them this. After I, after I listen to you, will you listen to me for a few minutes? Can I have a few minutes of your time? I have actually went to a guy, a guy, a guy asked me for $5. I said, okay. $5, five minutes. $5, five minutes. I don't care what you go buy with it, but will you give me five minutes? Is it worth it? I'm going to sow the words of eternal life in them. It's got an opportunity that may not come forth that day. He may go right on and buy some crack. I don't know. But guess what? If I take that opportunity and sow a word into his soul that won't ever die, now the Holy Spirit got something that he can put some water on, water on, water on, work on, send somebody else to reassure, reaffirm, that word, and then later on, and, and, and keep praying, somebody praying for him, and next thing you know, a man will walk up to him one day, he ready to give his life to Jesus, and he, ain't done, he, he didn't do none of the work. The work already been done. But I want, I want all of us to have hope in serving God, being with God, serving what he wants us to serve, doing what he wants us to do. How much joy we can get out of it when we, you know, you know what? You know, when, you know when this pew is the happiest? Do you know, Mary? You know when this pew happens? See, this pew right here ain't happy. You know what? Ain't nobody sitting on it. That's what it, this is what it's made for. I just made it happen. You know when your car happens? When you drive it. Because that's what it's made for. You know when you'll be happy? When you find what God wants you to do and find yourself doing it, when, where, and how he tells you, you'll have joy. Energy, 
My wife can testify to this. I have left home sick. Sick. Didn't even feel like standing up here. But when I got up here, what happened? It all went away. And I had walked right out the door, and it came right back. It came right back. Why? Because this is what I do. This is what I'm made to do. This is what I'm created to do. And, and I get energized by it. And you know, when I go to work, this is what the people tell me. We used to have a, 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 a all 110 folk, all of them together meeting. And this is what two, uh, three or four of the ladies told me. I said, we like it when you had a meeting. They said, you, got, you speak with power and authority. I'm like, lady, I'm in my element. Give me a bullhorn. Give me a microphone, please. <laughs> Give me something to talk in. Now, I had a problem with it when I first got started. But after a while, man, I get that bullhorn. I was, come on in. How y'all doing? They'll say, you hear about four people. Well, that's five of y'all. What about the rest of you? Everybody start laughing and relaxing. We have a good time. Because that's what I'm called to do. If you find what you're called to do, you're going to find joy in doing it. You're going to find energy to do it. You know why the post office is so hard, Key? You know why Briggs and Stratton so hard? I ain't going to tell you. You still have to go down there tomorrow put your notice in. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> you, you come back here and talk about Isaac told me to quit. I ain't finna fin go there. Never mind. Forget that. Don't even think about that. Anyway, let's pray for God to give us a confidence, a courage, a boldness. Let's pray like the disciples prayed. Lord, grant unto us boldness that we may speak your word. Why do I want to speak it? Because I know it's got power. I know it's incorruptible. I know it's going to last forever. I know that if I can get it in you, that God will use it at the appointed time to bring you to Jesus. Let's pray for God to help us to get to the place where I don't have to see results. I know results are coming. I don't have to reap. I know that in the end, I'm going to reap a reward for the seed that I sow. So, Lord, we just bless you. We praise you. We worship you and honor you. We thank you, Lord God, for working and moving. We thank you for the privilege of being your mouthpiece that we can speak forth your word, and that because of your word being living, quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, that it is an incorruptible seed, that it can be sown into the heart of people, it can be sown into their hearts, and that you can work and nurture, send other laborers into their path, and one day bring that word to a harvest, a full, complete harvest, and bring that person to salvation. So, Lord, I'm asking you, like the disciples pray, grant unto us boldness that we may speak forth your word. Give us courage and confidence to speak to the person that may be intimidating, the person that may, be, may seem to be resistant, the person that we don't even like, and the person that don't like us. Open doors. Open a door of opportunity for the gospel, as Paul prayed. Give us opportunities. And, Lord, as you do, Give us courage and confidence to walk in those doors. We bless you. We praise you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Thanks for listening. If you enjoy what you heard, make sure to subscribe and share with somebody you know. And tune in next week for more sermons from Truth and Love Ministries Church.